Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram, Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on shortly my guest today. We have yet another original, unique, talented peak performer in the realm of music and sports. I love the intersections of our guests. Our guest today, Mr. Nahum Peter Sile, also lead singer of the band Plank and Automatic Toys, will be sharing his work with music, vocal songwriting, music composition, as well as his former career as a semi-pro basketball player player and current late position as youth soccer coach. Good morning, Richard. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thank you for coming straight from a gig in the morning. What kind of musician are you? Hey, I do my best. <laughs> I do my best. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah, and thank you on uh, short notice. I know you've been in Toronto. You've been all over the world. How is that balancing travel, musician life, and stable family life? It's hard, dude. <laughs> you know what? Is it's there a I, annual I, for that. <laughs> I, if there would be, uh, I wouldn't be the one writing it. <laughs> uh, no, it's good, man. It's good. It's it's lucky. I spoke about with another musician over the weekend, actually. How lucky musicians that do have families are, because not that you know, there's not lucky, less lucky, more lucky. We're all lucky, but people who don't have the stability of family and are in this kind of world, you get love very quickly. I mean, very quickly. So the stable uh, structure 
structure of family life really brings you back to what's real and what's not. And it has been that way for the last, I'm going to say 15, 15 years. So I feel lucky in that sense because I know a whole lot of guys and gals that are that are great musicians and wonderful. And it's just harder when you don't have that, you know, that anchor, the anchor of, of what's real, the, the anchor of realness, if that's a term or not. But that's, yeah. so, it's so important. Well, emotionally too, like how do you balance yourself down? How do you come down from the arousal of performing in front of crowds and having to prepare yourself so intensively? And yeah, where do you relax and right. reset yourself? A hundred percent. And that never gets old. I used to think that, oh my God, here I am living a dual life. And oh my God, you know, it used to feel on the borderline of wrong sometimes. And only to understand how lucky I am that I have, I have two needs and I'm able to feed both of those needs. And it's not a bad thing that I have two different lives. It's a beautiful thing that I could feed what I am and express it to different worlds. It's actually, it's a beautiful thing. It's not an evil thing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I came from a party last night and a gentleman, the bar mitzvah party, and the, the gentleman came and played guitar and wrote a song in dedication to his nephew and the guys like in his 60s. And the story was that his family like did not accept music. Like it was not like the option. And so like for him, finding this gift and sharing his talent is much later in life. So the permission to be creative and to seek alternative lifestyles, uh, where did that start from for you? That's a really good question. I'm one of nine children and came from a really religious family growing up in Jerusalem. And we used to sing every Sabbath, every weekend for like two hours, every week for 20 years. A lot of music and song came through actually the tradition and religion. And I was always inclined to singing, specifically singing. I only later in life started picking up a guitar, but music was my absolute, you know, go-to. I could name you every single Jewish musician up until 1993. I know all the catalog, but after that point, my parents allowed me to engage in non-Jewish music, and then the dam was broken, and then all hell broke. You were in, like, in high school, college? Like, what was... I was 12 years old or 11 years old, and my mother was like, all right, you could buy the soundtrack for The Bodyguard, because Whitney Houston, right? It's I was all about vocalists, and once Whitney Houston happened, then Michael Jackson happened, then Frank Sinatra happened, then Kurt Cobain happened, and that's it. And then I had to... And then I think from that point on, I never stopped consuming music, like, almost impulse. Like, I always have to... I always have to listen to new music. There was a discussion of, like, oh, do we allow him to step outside these constraints? I know there's, like, arguments in the schools now if the kids should be willing to listen to alternative music or only that of spiritual religious upbringing. Right. So that yeah. must have not been easy for your mom to give you that to go ahead, lure outside. Right. I think she became more religious, both her and my father themselves. So they grew up with the Beatles and Peter, Paul, and Mary. So they, they knew it was good they, stuff where they came from. They knew it, exactly. And I think she knew also just how much I was into it, you know? She's very open. She's got, like I said, she's got nine kids. All of us believe different things and do different things. And she's open and loving to all of them. So she's both her and my father, pretty cool people. So <laughs> who you gave a few shout outs? One Israeli musician and one or two historical that have really... Israeli musician, I'm going to have to say he's still the Israeli rock god of all time. Still lives today. His name is Beri Sakharov or Beri Sakharov if you're an American. He's just an amazing singer, songwriter, and a real rocker. Still plays the best show. He's outplay anybody. He's probably mid-60s, early 60s, and he is just... His live shows are second to none still. So I'm going to say him and Sinatra was one of my gods because the way he sings 
playing and his diction, you know, the CD players, the little mini CD player. I used to sit night and just, that was my school. I used to memorize his phrasing of how he sang each song, but like each of his songs, like his catalog. Is it the writing? I mean, what is it? Because coming from New York, right? Mm. Frank Sinatra was like, you know, every, not every, every New Year's, right? Every, you know, like sporting, like Frank Sinatra in every Italian restaurant. I mean, you feel like Frank is, is part of your family. It's a, it's a different, you know, class. So, you know, what is it that makes that music so unique? I think that he was, first of all, he's one of the first rock stars. In other words, he's one of the first ones to take jazz and swing music and bring it to the people. Before that, all of the standard jazz songs, they didn't really have a national home. And here comes a dude who could sing. I mean, there's no question about how he could sing, right? His ability to sing is insane. But here comes someone, and you know the whole story with him is so interesting. He got his contract. He got someone to buy out his contract so he could go and sign with the major label. And he's very, he really had a vision of how his career is going to look. And he really, I mean, who's better than Frank Sinatra? I don't know. You know, he's just still today. That's the thing. You could put any Sinatra song on, it will compete with anything today, right? It's different than hip hop music, which I love, right? But that to me, music's all about texture and how it chords your soul. We all have chords and how you play that chord, right? So Sinatra's always going to do that. Always. There's so many people. Internal chords. Correct. How the music goes. Oh, talk to me about bands you're in right now, the music you're doing, and, and the work you're doing to share, share music internationally. Yeah, I was, again, just very lucky to grow up in Israel and be very well adverse in music in Hebrew. So I sing both in Hebrew and English, and that manifests in also Jewish, religious, and traditional music. So I've been, the last five years, I've been a cantor in the Jewish High Holidays. Uh, just this past High Holiday, I was in Tampa, Florida. Just met a beautiful community, and just a community that loves to sing. It was a great fit. Always the situation where there is a fit, uh, but what I provided, they were looking for and vice versa. I looked, I was looking for a community like this. So they ever, they ever look at you and be like, oh, the other music you do, we don't connect to, or people have to accept the entirety of who you are when they take you on? Well, that's a great question. Actually, the na- shout out, another shout out, Call On Me congregation in Tampa, they actually hired me to, or they fundraiser. We're doing a gala fundraiser in two, three weeks. I'm flying to Tampa again. And that the conversation we had, they were like, oh, so this hip hopping and alt rocking, it's nice and all, but, and I got to respect that because at the end of the day as a performer, you got to understand that first you got to make sure who your crowd is. That's the first question you ask, right? You need to, in my opinion, right? I mean, you could do your thing, but where I am, where I get paid to do different things, I need to make sure the crowd want to hear what they want to hear. And at that same time, there's a little elasticity of what I could bring them. And that's a gig. That's why, that's why I get hired. I get hired to format that very fine line of, oh, we want to hear this, you know, traditional song because that's like, oh, look at that song that he's, you know, that cool too. And th- and really that's where, that, that's why I get paid. That's the reason. The fact that I need to play well and sing well and do my thing, that's a given. But it really, it's a temperament with the crowd need is really my job. Really, really the gig. Is that, is that intuition? Uh, is that something that you try and gauge ahead of time? Like, it's also trust, right? How much leeway are they giving you? Like, hey, we want to make sure you stay within these parameters. Correct. And your, your hip-hop is not, like, right. <laughs> dropping you off the stage exactly. and, and, and <laughs> running right. away our, our older audience or whatever. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you gauge yourself for that? I, I think it, it has a lot to do also with experience and knowing people. I'm not a psychologist, 
or a psychiatrist that I don't pretend to be. I'm really good at understanding people and reading them. Um, and it's definitely also uh, a concept of trial and error. In other words, I've done this so many times to understand that at one time I thought, oh, I'm going to do a couple of traditional songs for this community and a couple, and then I'm going to give them the Nahum special of, because I was young and dumb. And then I realized, okay, they didn't receive that well. What do I have to do? You know? And then I did a lot of, it's all to me, it always comes about understanding the community. So I do a lot of legwork before the show. My main work is before the show, understanding who they are, what they are, what they want to hear, what they're used to hearing, all that stuff. And then once I come, I come prepared, super prepared. And of course, there's always another rabbi in the, in the thing that wants to sing, come on, rabbi, come and, you know, come and sing something. You got to be fluid like that. But it's definitely, I think it's definitely a factor also of doing this for a long time, you know? So I think that that really helps you do anything well. That's about the Jewish side. I do a lot of Jewish weddings and Jewish events. And we did, I did a Jewish tour last year. I, I flew to like Zambia and Zimbabwe to do a bar mitzvah for a beautiful family. I had to teach a five-piece African band 20 Jewish songs. It was just wow. the most beautiful experience ever. This family was beautiful and we just had a bar mitzvah with behind us was the Zambezian River. Literally during the ceremony, hippos and crocodiles were like floating behind us. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And then I flew to Greece to do the same thing in a bar mitzvah. I taught a three-piece Greek band in Crete how to play 20 traditional songs. Yeah, it's amazing. You pinch yourself because you're like, I cannot believe I'm in these places because I make music. Or I'm so lucky. I appreciate it. I really don't take it for granted. It's not, even while I do it, it's not easy to maintain this kind of thing. Obviously, you always grow. You want to give and get, but not an easy thing to do to get to feed your kids with something you not only love and believe in, but that nourishes your soul. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy, Tough ass, right? that's a big ask. But, and you're describing a whole nother process, which is that there's a flow state, not only to performing the music, but into like the whole journey of who wants my service? How can I integrate the culture of the place I'm going with the music I'm being hired to perform? Right. And that sounds like that and draws on so many of the senses. So how do you keep your execution focused while being like awe-inspired and opened up emotionally yourself? That's a huge question, Richard, because that focus is something I was just such a horrible student in school and focus was not my forte and I'm always edgy and movie and fidgety and, and it's a big deal. I think that divides into two things because when a traditional and religious and it has to do with like Jewish service in that realm, the focus is very clear. It's how I grew up. The distractions are more me and not worldly. When it comes to rock music and hip hop music, there are so many variables and so many distractions <laughs> that actually I find myself, it's harder to focus in those realms than it is in the Jewish realms, if that makes any sense. Focus on the performing of the music? Focus on performing of the music. Focus on what, you know, the task at hand. I mean, again, at this point, I'm pretty good at focusing in both, but we're always filled with distractions. We're filled with our own greatest enemy, which is us, obviously, like all the time. And in a world where there's so many distractions, as it is also, we, we both know as parents, I mean, there's, there's so much. It's like, it's important that, yes, something nourishes my soul, but yes, I think the focus has a lot to do with, yes, I need to feed my kid, right? I need to make sure I execute. Because if I don't execute, what am I, like, not cool? You know, I'm not sitting here playing with my guitar in my room, having fun. Got it for a living, period. There's a, on top of, like, yeah, managing creativity and emotional experience, I've got to be a business person. And, and I have to be accountable at the end of the week to what did I do uh, to secure this gig or make sure that they like that I didn't just drop the mic 
can shock the world. Yeah, so that's an interesting part of being a performer, right? Like becoming a professional. A lot of people love music or sport, and then how do you turn it into a professional? Yeah, and, and that never stops. That question, I live there you always. Live in that space. I live there always, you know? And thank God, the more I've grown and the more I've been successful in what I've been doing, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. But that never ends. That always exists. I, not only with me, I think it with most people in the earth that always exist. When's my next gig? That was a great show in front of whatever thousand people. What's my next show? What do I, what happens next? What, you know? I call myself a professional music hustler, you know? Because <laughs> that's really what I am. I hustle music. And I didn't speak yet about, you know, the plank and automatic toy side of things, especially with plank. It's a partnership. So it's infused with, you know, my good friend, John Boy. He's from Compton and Malcolm. He's from England. And we are kind of using all of our background together and all of our needs and wants and creativity and molding all of that and staying in focus and trying to make money from that. I mean, that's a, also a tremendous challenge. Stay tuned, everybody. We will get uh, clips and videos of the gang playing hey. from playing. So just a little side note. We can't mention all these unique individuals and talents and collaboration without sharing the work you're doing. Called Yamin Ord is a place for kids who go to Israel that don't have homes and they go through school there and they go through a full education there and it's raising awareness for that organization. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. How do you balance so that your upbringing, being part of a family that's spiritual and religiously conscious, also motivates you to do things for the world? How do you navigate that line between outpouring of, of energy for causes and people and being a family man and, like you said, keeping an eye on, on the bread on the table? And, and that's also with music. People are very quick to say, oh, come play my event. You'll just do a couple of songs. I don't blame people for doing that because music is so universal. But yeah, but if there's a night where I'm asked to play, oh, just two or three songs with my acoustic guitar that's a night I'm not with my family right I'm not busy trying to make bread in different ways but at the same time I have a very strong sense of how like the negative part of my industry is all the self-promotion and the self and me 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 and listen to me and look at me and I hate that I'm not about that I'm not about that I tried for all my projects not to be named here's Nahum just not into that I tried for as long as I could for automatic toys to be that name a lot of the times uh, sometimes it worked at the 
community in Tampa said, no, we want your name. You know, so sometimes it doesn't. But that's why I do try whenever I can. We played a beautiful event for an organization called Advot at the Catalina Jazz Club. It's amazing. And we played a three-song acoustic set. Do you imagine hearing hip-hop with a cajon, just a hand drum and a guitar? Wow. And John Boy killing it on the rap and Mal killing it on the beat. It was a three-song acoustic. Everyone was hyped. Where can people hear that? We have it on a YouTube link, actually. It's not released, but we got three gigs from that show. Because people were like, oh my God, we want you guys to do that in our gig, you know? Like, and I love the idea of minimalistic making lots of noise. Just musically, it's so beautiful when you don't need all this gear to move people. You just need a little gear and a lot of voice and make the songs really naked and really exposed and people are moved by it. It, it happens. It's great. And just in general, I just think, again, we're lucky. We got to get back. We just need to. Not we. I'm not, I'm not preaching to anybody. It's just how I feel. We're way too lucky. Conversation. We, we have spoken about this, about speaking to our kids about how most of the world does not live like it's not like a portion doesn't it's like most of the world is just as not i got hit on the head by it really also being in zambia i got a tour by my boy eddie he showed me around we are very lucky people we need to give back i must i don't want to preach to anybody i feel the need right to. even people who come to see me in my private practice and you know i am a clinical psychologist by trade and please check me out richardlistens.com if you're interested in becoming a client or taking with services i offer so i'm plugging myself as yeah. well i'm working on making sure everyone knows uh, what we're out there doing but you know the idea being that the greatest thing the re and the whole motive behind the Richard Listen podcast is sharing peak performers or what they're doing in the world because we can reach so many more people by sharing the work you're doing opening people up to wherever you're at you can immediately start with gratitude it sounds simplistic but the minute that you start to become aware of how much you have to give and sometimes even when you're feeling depressed heavy things have not been good and, and this comes oftenly about you know going through personal grief in the last year and things like that the minute you get out there and give you become aware of other people in fact i'll share a story with you yesterday just because we share a hobby as, as part-time soccer coaches and our giving back careers which overlap different uh, roles but i was sitting on the sideline wearing my coach's shirt they give out prior to the game and a boy came over and sat next to me and a few others and just started uh, talking about you know a few of the kids on the field and did we know them and it was it was really interesting and I was kind of respecting that maybe he didn't want an adult to keep talking but he but he kept talking showing bruises he's got and how other kids describe him as an idiot or kind of a little bit putting him down and I was like the psychologist hat came on but he started opening up quite a bit I think you know as he started saying the parents are divorced so he has two pairs of cleats at two different fields so he shows up sometimes without the right shoes and therefore he's getting injuries but it was just amazing you know this opportunity where like just being present with someone identified us as a open this place of just complete, you know, being able to feel supported, cared for. And so, you know, when you talk about flow, when you talk about creating something, and it was totally not intentional. It was just the act of being present and being open. It created this opportunity for, you know, connection, safety, hopefully some understanding, you know, some compassion. And from there, that's a really a gift for me, right? Because when I get to then hold that compassion, I realize, you know, I'm not just a person struggling with my talent. I'm the person who has intense reservoirs of strength gifts and talent which can be tapped in at any moment that I allow myself to be present to share it. That's beautiful. You're also the listening type. You have that. It's also your vibe. He saw you with that coach shirt. He was like, oh, this guy's a listener. I'm going to share my life. Thank you for indulging me and in sharing that little story. And I love sharing stories and, and therefore I'm going to be looking to sharing my anecdotes and stories and checking in to Richard Listen's Guide to Peak Performance. So stay tuned on it. But as we're with the Peak Performer right now, Nach 
from Peter Sile. Share with us, please, the parallels between sports and basketball. I love that we both uh, connect on that level, that you look like somebody who'd be battling with me was studying in Berkeva. Wow. So we were like, playing teams down there. Dalit, yeah. <laughs> There's some hardcore neighborhoods in Beersheba back in those days. It was. Super it hardcore. Was. Yeah. And I had no idea where. I'm thankful that that's where I landed because it was totally like uncharted territory. <laughs> and I had hair like you back then. It was long and it was, you know, the sun was hot enough to dry it by the time I walked down the street. But tell me a little bit of basketball and the parallels between being somebody who loves sport, intensely competes and not play on the semi-pro level. Mm-hmm. What it was like to play in Israel and how does that compare with your preparation and performance musically? Yeah, that's a great question. First, before the basketball, I give homage and thanks to the sport of soccer because when I moved, I moved from New York to Israel at six years old and no one talked to me because I'm a first grader in 1986 in Israel and who's this dude who can't even say a word in Hebrew? But lo and behold, I was really good at soccer without knowing it. I would go on the field and I was top, if not the best player on the field, top two. So every recess, everyone liked me. And when recess ended, I was like, all right, but I look forward to recess and sport really gave me that, oh my God, I love soccer. By second grade, I was totally fluent. I loved soccer for Basketball was really my sport. And to just begin any kind of basketball conversation, I'm all about my human God, undoubtedly, in basketball. Without a doubt, the present day is Sir Charles Barkley. He is my be-all and end-all. He is the epitome of the choo-choo train that couldn't get up there and beat everybody. The round man of rebound who had no business playing basketball, who was not athletic like Michael Jordan, who did not have the strength and the physicality. He wanted the ball more than anybody on the court. And that's where I come from. He was really my guy to how to play sport. Almost how to play life, really. No one wanted the ball more than him. He was the shortest. For how many years did he lead the NBA in rebounds being arguably on the shorter end of the spectrum on the court? 6'4", but that's like, I mean, easy. And he played the forward, right? Right. He played the four. And he would beat everybody. Robin was very on top of things as well. But Robin also was a player that wanted the ball more than anybody, but Robin was more athletic. He was taller. He had a lot of athletic skill. So to me, Barkley was a huge inspiration playing ball. I just thought about the 76ers. Following NBA in Israel in the early 80s and early 90s is not a simple thing. Cable only came into Israel in 1992. So until that point in time, it was newspapers. It was watching things on the news after they happened. Once cable came in, we stay up for decades at 3, 4 a.m. watching all the games. You know, when Barkley lost to Jordan in 93, his MVP year, I cried all night. You know, it was like my night before the bar mitzvah. It was like a few nights before my bar mitzvah. It was horrible. You know, it's like that was the year Barkley could have done it. Oh, you were like depressed. I was face. so <laughs> depressed. Oh, my God. And he really led me to first and foremost, regardless of who I am and what I am, wanting that pure, raw will. Yeah. That's what it is. Desire. Period. Desire. 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 Just everything. And so when I talk about him... I get who's like, I just think he was just the greatest. I just love him. And now he's on TNT. He doesn't have Instagram. He doesn't have Twitter. He has nothing to prove to anybody. He loves the game. He's a student of the game. He's a PAD of the game. And he, yeah, he's one dude I, I really want to meet. I'm not into like idolizing people too much. I totally idolize Charles Barkley. I would love to meet Charles Barkley. I mean, he's my dude. And it helped me play ball in Israel. You know, I, I was okay in basketball. And then I started putting in the hours for it. And the game was more fun. Yeah, right. It was my experience. The game was more of a passing game and it was more of create a bucket through drive. The three point was developed a little bit later. You know, I'm talking pre Steph Curry changing the game like way before. But until then, it was European ball, right? A lot 
lot of passing, understanding the game. It was a lot of IQ in the game. And it was also rough. Like on those boards, if I would go to summer camps in New York and work for the summer, I was like, people didn't know what an elbow was to get the rebound. Like I was like, I was all over the place. And I love that feeling. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I'll show those Americans, you know, but American ball was great. And you know, New York guys that play ball, LA guys play ball really well. So yeah, it was a great experience. I grew up in such a religious realm. I went to a school that I went to school 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 7th grade to 12. So this was my escape. But because I seated in the game and I did, they allowed me to play. And it was, it was such a date for me to play with other guys and to do other things that weren't just all about Talmud. And, you know, and I told my parents, I'm done with this school. And my parents said, you got to stick through it. We don't care. So I said, if that's the case, though, I'm playing ball. I'm not not playing ball because of this school. Uh, so I did that. And then I played. And then in the higher league, it's a farm system in Israel, in all of Europe, really. So for an example, the way it would be here, if it was a start, the Lakers would have a team for fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders. Like it is for soccer. Like it is for soccer. Yeah, and, and Academy. And right. Everything. And through the clubs. And then they would try and bring the really good kids into pro, right? The really good kids into this. So we had a semi-pro team. And when I met it, there were three, four leagues in Israel. So when I joined the team, we're in the fourth league. And then I joined it. We took a championship for our league. Wow. Third, yeah. And then you move up. And at that point, we all played for free. And teams around us were having $150,000, $200,000. But so it was like, you know, the few and the proud kind of thing. You know, we were just in it. We were practicing. We were doing doing the do, but playing against, you know, they could buy some ringers with that kind of money. But it was it was just a wonderful experience. I played with some great guys. I have a great Doron Sheffer story, the Iceman from Yukon. So he was hiring or not retiring from basketball. And because we're semi-pro, he shows up in our gym practice one day, like walked into the gym. And Doron Sheffer, any Israeli kid, is a dude from Ray Allen and him. And he was on my team in scrimmage. So here I am. I'm driving on the right. I make a layup. I get blocked. Doran Sheffer cuts through the middle. I pass him the ball. He makes this beautiful, I mean, only he could, do, you know, this beautiful layup. We run back on defense. He points to me like that. I'm like, that's it. I could retire. I don't need to play anymore. I was so pumped. It was great. And yeah, and basketball, you know. That's the kind of camaraderie that you get in sports. And I'm assuming from blowing music, even though I'm not a musician. And maybe, as we haven't even mentioned, you're, you know, Israeli army service time. But the experience of being in battle together. And when you know somebody else has that IQ level or is looking for you or aware of you, has your back. Bonds are built almost instantaneously and can last well beyond your time in the game. It's amazing how much also you could learn about someone playing ball with him as him or her as opposed to having a coffee with them, right? Breaking a sweat with someone and working hard with someone. A completely different thing. It's both verbal and nonverbal of just that exactly what you're talking about. And you feel it. You feel it also in summer camps. People who are quiet or timid, if they're on the court, suddenly we had that, hey, remember we played together? Hey, oh, we lost that game or we won that game, you know? And it's, it's really, there's nothing like it. It's the best. It's really the best. I always told myself when I was a parent, oh, I'm not going to force my, my kid to do anything, whatever. And then a friend of mine said, oh, you know what? I forced my kids to do, push them into soccer. My daughter's first year, she didn't want to go. I'm like, you're going. And that's it. She was like, sign me up next season. Sign me up. So sports is one of the only things I don't really ask my kid. I'm just like, today's a good example. I'm taking my son today to club basketball. He's doing a tryout. I'm like, dude, you're trying out today for club ball. Well, some of it, right. The idea, the fine line between like, can we help nurture the excitement or just even the willingness to try? Like if you try out and fail, like to learn the fact that we were saying, you know, that saw some girls playing the game yesterday that 
they were up against a better team and they they had a lead and they won a time. But can you learn from that? Like instead of being focused on the immediate emotions of disappointment, that there's so many life lessons. So yeah, it's this fine line between you know individual personalities and helping them being willing to try or get exposed to interest in a variety of things. Yeah, and how you do that right without forcing them against their will. Right. If they if they genuinely don't have a desire, or can they get there on their own? I think uh, to, to what you're saying also, parents may have a lot of jobs with their kids, but honestly, if we, if we put it down to an elevator pitch or even to one word, what we need to do with our kids, one word, we must teach our kids resilience. That's at the bottom line. We're going to get hit a lot. We're going to get punched down a lot. We're going to fall to the ground a lot in this life. And we need to give our two, again, we, I'm going to speak about me. I need to give my kids tools that when they get punched, they could get up, right? And I think also the correlation between sports and music is that because you get punched, you get boxed out a lot in basketball or in soccer, right? You get denied in music more times. I mean, I could sit here all day talking about the amount of times I got denied, right? It's so easy to give up. It's so easy. Play something new and that crowd may not love it because for a million reasons. Right. And how you interpret it, how you, you know, go forward is all that resilience. So I've just um, been a big proponent of the Awakened Family, a book I've read by uh, Trafali Taberi. She's a child psychologist out of Columbia. And uh, learning to look at your voice within you, learning to look at your triggers and learning to be really clear in your vision. Because similarly, like if we only respond from our triggers, we only respond from control and ego, then we don't really help to evolve, whether it be this podcast or another practice or my relationship to my team that I'm coaching or to my own children. So if there is not a clear vision of what I'm trying to help move toward, I may not want to be willing to step into uncomfortable areas where there's going to be conflict. Right. So I got to be really clear on why I'm doing it. And that's a hard thing to do with a client. That's a hard thing to do with teammates to let them know, you know, I know they don't like this or a player on your team. You don't like playing this position. I know they don't like the situation you're in, but here's why the team needs you there. Here's why. And, and, and I have some great success stories in recent teams as early as last year from a player who we, we put in goal and our team lost to a team from Los Angeles three times, I think four throughout the year. And then we wound up beating them in May in the final because he became the goalie. And as a big kid with team believing in him, he saved everything. I mean, he was knocking things 10 years old, 11 years old, knocking things over top of the goal. I mean, it was unreal. I think the other coach was like, you know, must be some birth certificate. <laughs> but in reality, it was just getting someone to believe, getting them to accept their role, getting them to be willing to accept challenge and change. Yeah. And if you learn those things, whenever you learn them, whether it be right now from where I'm at, what I'm going through, whether it be you uh, and trying to balance all these variety of talents and skills and passion. It's also the modeling that that creates for your team. If your team feels you're not open to change, if your band feels you're rigid and you don't listen, that can have a, an effect where they don't have to change either. 100%. And you may succeed in the lane you're in. So it depends on your goal of do you want to expand and grow to new levels? Do you want to achieve new levels? And we see that with certain coaches who've adopted a certain style that begins maybe to rub certain people the wrong way and it, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you know, wherever you go, there you are. It follows you to whatever environment you're in. Totally. So, Mr. Nahum Peter Sile, I'm loving saying your name. Please share with us in closing how can people find your bands, the work you're doing, and stay connected with you and learn more about you. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. So, my band, Plank, got an awesome website, plvnkmusic.com. That's plankmusic.com. It's a backwards A. Automatictoysmusic.com. I have another project. I didn't talk too much about it, but it's called SFMC, songs from my childhood.com, correlating elder.
teenagers with youngers or music and i'm so happy to be here i so appreciate you having me over this was beautiful thank you all for tuning in i appreciate it please if you can check out my patreon page.com patreon.com slash richard listens or instagram richard listens hey you get the theme we appreciate all your support and interest we're now up on itunes spotify if you're interested in therapy teletherapy any kind of consultation please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website richardlistens.com i'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain support or isolation you are going through we are here to alleviate strain and suffering thank you all for tuning in i'm richard listens and i'm out I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone. 